1: Four days left until we get to the Super Bowl on Sunday. Eagles Chiefs, personally, I think this is going to be a banger, should be a fun one. In the meantime, let's talk some Pats. Mike Mitnansky makes the quickest return ever to the Pats Interference Podcast. In a couple of minutes, we are going to break down, or envision, lay out, our path for the Patriots to make it back to the Super Bowl. These are one- and two-year plans, the one-year plans being uh, all out, Media gratification, trade, draft, giveaway, picks, sign for agents, do whatever you can just to get to the Super Bowl. Obviously unrealistic. Two-year plans, a little bit more realistic. We'll break down those details and why. A little bit of fun, a little bit of serious football talk in there as well. Then Mike, betting expert that he is, is going to give you some angles for Sunday, and we get to your mailbag questions. Before we do all of that, however, I have some housekeeping to attend to. Uh, first thing is which, this podcast will be weekly for the foreseeable future part of that is the off-season schedule just the volume of events here i want to get into the topics you know that really deserve 30 45 in this case over an hour long discussion and covering adrian clem coming aboard as the offensive line coach big development we've talked about it. offensive line coach second most important position on an offensive staff but uh not really worthy of his own podcast that being said he can be in a list of other smaller items including nick cayley leaving to go to the Rams. Yes. His contract expired. Yes. It appears the Patriots have an in-house replacement with Will Lawn, uh, former Lieutenant of Bill O'Briens in at Penn state Houston, and Alabama. But, you know, with those things happening last week, I wanted to touch up on them. Now don't have a ton to add in either instance. I can tell you, Nick Haley is well thought of in the building. There were a couple of players I spoke to that hoped he was going to get the promotion to becoming the offensive coordinator. Obviously that didn't happen. And if you can put yourself in his shoes as someone who's been open about his future aspirations, become an offensive coordinator, maybe a head coach one day, and, you know, does well in his role, but you get passed over for promotion, not once, like last year, when your boss brings in people who, obviously, we've covered this a million times, ill-suited for their roles, Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, then come around again, another year of experience, you dealt with all that, you were a good soldier, you were a good employee, and then you get passed over again for Bill O'Brien, of which... Look, I would have made that decision, but you're probably going to go elsewhere, okay? That's exactly what Nick Cayley did. Yes, it's a lateral move going from the tight ends coach of the Patriots to the tight ends coach of the Rams, but in LA, he'll get exposure to a new system. He'll broaden his experience, his network, work for Sean McVay, which a couple of years ago was the only real requisite to become a head coach, see Cliff Kingsbury uh, in Arizona, and that was it. That was the joke, and then it became real. We'll see how long that lasts, but I think it's a good move for Cayley personally, one that was predictable after O'Brien came back in. Yes, he interviewed for offensive coordinator jobs to the Patriots and the Jets and the Texans. But given the ties personally in New England and Houston, he's another John Carroll guy just like Nick Casario. And then the Jets, who, of course, would love to know a little bit more intel on the division rivals that they haven't beaten since uh, Grover Cleveland was in office. Like, it behooved them to, to chat with Nick Caley. So I would just say good for Nick. He's on the way out. He was well-regarded. We can talk about the lack of production from Jonathan Smith or Hunter Henry. Not really interested. We did that for two seasons, onward and upward. As for Clem, as mentioned, not a ton to add here, but friend of the podcast, Mike Giardi, the NFL Network, uh, have reported the Patriots had zero in on him. Okay, And this took, going back to Adrian Clem, not only with a second interview that took place when they were coaching in the Shrine Bowl, but it sounds like another offer. That finally got him around to leaving the University of Oregon after one year. Mind you, he was not only the offensive line coach at Oregon. And you could say, well, why wouldn't he want to go to the NFL? I mean, Adrian Clem is a guy who has spent 11 out of his 14 years coaching in the college ranks. Some guys just prefer the lifestyle, working with the age group, whatever it is. He was the associate head coach at Oregon and the run game coordinator. What that means, not only, of course, responsibility, a little bit more money. So that's what they ponied up. It's my understanding he'll make north of a million dollars, something also said by Albert Breer, Sports Illustrated. Offensive line coaches, as you've heard on this podcast, are the highest paid assistants on staff. This is why the Patriots zeroed in, saw it was worth it. Obviously played for the Patriots 2000 or 2004. First ever draft pick under Belichick. All that good and fun, someone that they trust. I think it's experience with the Steelers. Uh, is key here because obviously you want to see someone perform at the NFL level, but you know, familiar with the system, Belichick, all that. It'll be great for the Patriots to have uh, an experienced offensive line coach in the building who understands all parts of their operation and someone, obviously, that they trust and really like. How well does it pan out? I don't know, but I think it's a good move. So we'll leave it at that. Um, last one. Bill Belichick going on a podcast during Super Bowl week. I don't know what the odds would have been at Online AG, official sponsorship of this podcast, or anywhere else but i can tell you they were long i'm talking probably five digits in there there's a plus in the front and yet he goes on tom brady's let's go podcast heard on sirius xm and then wherever you get your podcast, and chats for a long time with brady and jim gray and honestly you know listening to brady's podcasts over the years there's a reason he's the greatest quarterback of all time not the greatest podcast host i am certainly not in that conversation either but this conversation was worth your time. Okay. It was certainly not as robotic as sometimes it comes off, or Belichick does at the podium. Belichick, you could tell, was relaxed. He was honest. He was open. They were talking about one another. And it was great to hear them be positive after the real strain that happened behind the scenes, you know, reached a peak in 2017. And then Brady lives two years later. Uh, they tried to whitewash some of that, which is fine. Blame the media. That's everyone does it, everyone's favorite punching bag. But it was real. And so was this. Belichick talking about how Brady. Taught him How he taught him to see through the eyes of the quarterback, what were the more effective ways to coach him through through, through certain reads. And then after plays, when they would come back on the sideline mid-game, Belichick would say, okay, hey, what happened there in a third down, say so it was a, a rushed incompletion. Brady would go through eight different items, you know, the way the defensive tackle looped into his face, the edge rusher kept him from escaping the pocket because he stayed level with his rush. You know, the, the outside linebacker was a yard further outside the hash than expected. The safety dropped in a little bit more than he expected. All these different things. And Belichick would go watch the tape after the game. Like, he was right in every single one of those freaking things. So he just said Bel- uh, Tom saw the game better than anyone. And he said, quote, uh, I mean, it was incredible. So it's great to hear them talk in an open, honest, and relaxed manner at any sort of time together. Who's fantastic? Can't speak to where the relationship really is when the mics are off, but at least in this glimpse with the two of them together to reminisce about old days, you know, give each other the appropriate flowers. It's just really, really cool. And I think wherever you're coming at this game from, the standpoint of a reporter, Patriots fan, you don't like the Patriots, whatever it is, the greatest coach of all time, the greatest quarterback of all time, uh, even off coming off the seasons that they did, you know, was just a good listen. So highly recommend that. Some other snippets up on the herald as well as every other website that just does about does it for the housekeeping so let's get to the good stuff how the patriots can get back to the super bowl of mike mcnansky his favorite prop bets and why we disagree on picking the eagles and the chiefs on sunday happy super bowl week to you and yours from the pats interference podcast after some housekeeping the fun is here mike mcnansky the fastest guest to return to the pats interference podcast ever how does that make you feel when i say that
0: uh, concern for you that you got to bring me back already. Like, that's not not a good sign for you. I'm thoroughly back. I have a lot of takes uh, pent up, unemployed radio hosts with a lot of time in my hand. So I'm thrilled to be back. Uh, congrats to you and Karen and the Herald on a tremendous uh, story on the inside of the disaster that was the Patriots off season. And uh, hopefully uh, they're prepared to make things better, not just this year, but the next couple of years and put them back in contention to potentially be in the game you and I will talk about uh, coming up on Sunday.
1: Well, that's the plan here today, right? Is get them back to the Super Bowl. How do they do this? I don't want to take the reasonable approach today. I mentioned this in the intro. We have two separate plans, you and I. We have four total. Two of them abide by the one-year plan next 12 months. How do you get to the Super Bowl? What would you do as the head of the Patriots? The second one, a two-year plan. What are you doing over the next 24 months to ensure they get there at least once? Let's be clear: the Patriots are not subscribing to this approach or time frame. Obviously, they want to get <laughs> back in the playoffs, but they are not going all out in the way that we are about to. Still, yeah. um, you know, there are a lot of things to kind of keep in mind here. The thing is, though, it's fun. It's Super Bowl week. Everyone down in Phoenix, where of course we wish we were, is hawking and pushing products, and they're calling in and to get the best guess. And this guy said that, and this guy, you know, said the other thing. And then Matt Patricia is still getting buried by Darius Slay. All well and fun. So this is a week for fun, maybe not necessarily honesty. And so if you're a by fan of that, I'm sorry, but go get your own podcast. So um, what I would like to do, Matt, is once we run through that, obviously hit some of the Super Bowl bets right yep. now the line, courtesy of Online AG, which is bringing you this podcast uh as we speak, is Philly minus one and a half. You have a couple of props, and then we'll get to a mailbag. But before we do all that, the two-year plan for the Patriots to get back to the Super Bowl, again, this is is the last part of Mac Jones' cost control rookie contract, in my opinion, the window they should be shooting for, not in a way that you know ignores the fact that the 2025 season and beyond are going to happen, but just emphasizes these next two years more. When you look at the two-year window, what was bullet item number one for you in getting the Pats back to the promised land?
0: Yeah, so you're going to be way more detailed. I have some broad strokes, and I hope cool. you can either tell me how dumb I am or we can agree on some of these things. But I think specifically, and I, I, let's start, can we start with the Super Bowl for a second? Just as a backdrop to this. Oh, yeah. The Super, the Super Bowl this Sunday is extremely interesting if you're a Patriots fan, or if you're me or Andrew or somebody who cares about the team building. Because there are two different completely approaches here. One of them, the, the Chiefs, they've got the the all-world quarterback, maybe the best quarterback of this era not named Brady, the next guy is going to be considered the best ever. And when you have that guy, things go a lot easier. Jalen Hurts is not the best ever. Jalen Hurts, they went out and drafted a a wide receiver in the first round and won the Heisman Trophy in Devonta Smith. They traded for A.J. Brown. They have two useful running backs. They have an offensive line that can protect anybody. And so, to me, it is fascinating as a Patriots fan. You can't – I'm sorry, Mac Jones is a nice player. He ain't Mahomes. And so, as I built out my one- and two-year plans here, it is much like – look at the Eagles here. Look at what they did and say, how do we get the most out of our quarterback, right? I, that's how I view the, the prism of this game and how it affects the Patriots, because the Eagles, to me, are at some level, Andrew, a blueprint. If the Patriots are going to get back to this game, they have to do what the Eagles did, which is put around their quarterback, top-level talent across the board. I like,
1: I like your thought process there, because, you know, it's funny. Even the Chiefs, when they signed Mahomes to that giant contract, which – I think we've swung almost in the opposite direction where talking about rookie quarterback contracts used to be this niche thing in NFL podcasting and radio and TV. Everyone's aware of it now. It's not some huge advantage because ultimately you want the quarterback like a Mahomes, like a yep. Josh Allen, where you sign him to 10 years and you say, we don't mind breaking the bank, A, because the cap is about to jump astronomically in the next two, three years with the influx of new TV money. But also, that's the thing, man. That's why you draft the quarterback. You scour them. You go from coast to coast looking and scouting for them. You want the guy. They have the guy. They're abiding now by this contract, which included, of course, saying goodbye to Tyree Kill. And they took a money ball approach in which they said, okay, we have 1,800 yards to replace instead of trying to find one guy to be Tyree Kill, of which, spoiler alert, there is none. Let's find (laughs) three or four guys who can replace that. Maybe give us 2,000 yards. And it worked because of the power of the quarterback and Mahomes. But if you don't have that guy which it's TBD here in New England, if we're being perfectly honest. Like you said, you got to build around him. Uh, Quick parameters, which I should have said off the top, and again, you don't have to abide by this as much as you want to. Patriots right now, $28 million in effective cap space, according to Over the Cap. What that means is once you have 51 players on the roster, which is all that's counted in the offseason, and you sign your projected draft class, where you can go in from the 14th pick, their first one, all the way to the 14th and the second round, et cetera, et cetera, and project all those players sign for the allotted value you're expected to get in the draft because all these deals are pretty much predetermined that's how much money you have left so that number for the patriots they're $28 million dollars still in the top six in the league but there's a, a closer gap between them and the guys the rest of the top 10 where you're fighting with like a baltimore and seattle who have maybe 21 or 24 and so it's not a different tier uh, but they are a tier below the guys like chicago atlanta houston with all that money so Rules are set to your plan. Mike McNansky, you put on your GM hat. What are you doing first?
0: Yeah, so my, my kids play Madden a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I've seen my youngest son, like he legit turns the salary cap off and makes every <laughs> trade he wants to make. Th- this is sort of going to be where I start. And, it's, and this, again, a broad stroke with maybe a, a, I can get down, a, drill down to one individual player. But specifically, you and I talked about this last time. It has not changed. They don't have enough offensive talent. And I'll go back to the Jalen Hurts Eagles thing for a second, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Look at how much better he became the year they get A.J. Brown. I think certainly his own personal growth, his abilities, Devonta Smith being held, all those things are important. But A.J. Brown, alpha wide receiver on the outside, changed the outlook there. And so my one-year plan, two-year plan, five-year plan remains you've got to find that guy. Now, the problem with the parameters that you've given us here two years, even if they draft a the guy this year and they nail it, like they get the, the, the best guy they can get, he's probably not the alpha by year two. So this leads back to something you've written about in the Herald trading for DeAndre Hopkins. Um, the guy that I'm like, and again, this is not realistic, but I would be calling Cincinnati every day and saying, you can't pay T Higgins. Like he, he, to me in, in a fantasy world, T Higgins is a Patriot and they pay him an obscene amount of money as soon as next year. Now, Tyler Boyd's a free agent too, uh, after next year. So there's a potential you can get one of those Bengals guys. They're going to pay Jamar Chase, going to pay Joe Burrow. They're going to revamp the offensive line. They can't pay all three of them. But in the one- or two-year plan, and and you want to go two years first, they've got to find a way to get that alpha. And of all the guys that I've looked at, I've looked at all the names, the potential free agents, the trade targets. The one I keep coming back to is T. Higgins, because I think he just gets lost in the shuffle. He's got every physical skill you want. He's not quite at Jamar Chase's level, but, boy, as number one in an offense, I think that guy could be awesome. So it's not changed. It's fantasy football, but T. Higgins and or a one-receiver – is still the first thing they have to be looking at right now in the in the Patriots uh, front office as we're speaking right now. So we'll
1: run through the rest of your plan and then I'll jump in mine, but I'll give you yeah. a little tease that we are aligned and the first step is get that weapon on the outside. Someone who I've described as, you, you've got some gravity to you, okay? The safety is either backing up Or he's cheating over to your side. That opens up space, of course, over the middle or in the opposite side. And so for me, the T. T Higgins conversation is interesting. Who knows what that value could be? They're having conversations. There's a template with the deals, as you mentioned, with A.J. Brown. The Eagles acquiring him on draft day. But the Patriots also would need to then lock him in soon for an extension, which – T Higgins agent will know his camp will know, and they'll have leverage baked in as soon as the Patriots or whatever team acquires him. A, I don't think that's going to happen. B, I would of course not be against it, but C, the money is going to be interesting because I've said time and time and time again, the Patriots don't pay for number one receivers, but let's say they do it anyway. They trade for, him. they give him that extension and you have them here in this two year plan. You keep him on the same year, this current year, rookie contract, the final year, yep. very cheap next year 2024 with the extension you can still backload that deal and have a ton of cap space even though you just traded for and signed t higgins to an extension to sign other weapons so this is a deal that could be you know again you're kind of kicking the can down the road but cost effective for the patriots within this window while you add a legitimate number one town
0: yeah i go back to the the bill o'brien hiring which we have not you know, it's happened since we last talked thank mm-hmm. god they brought this guy in and hopefully he has a say, you know, and, and Nick Saban recently has come aboard this idea that look, defense is not what he used to be, both in college and the NFL. You've got to surround your quarterback with super talent. And I hope, Andrew, that, like, doesn't Bill O'Brien, doesn't he come here and, and tell Bill, hey, Bill, the way you've gone about it, like, it, it's different. Like, and I don't know, maybe you've talked to people around the building. Like, is, is Bill, Bill Belichick going to respect Bill O'Brien's opinion? If Bill O'Brien comes in and says, hey, even Nick Saban thinks we've got to have upgraded offensive talent is Belichick willing to buy in? Because when you say they've not been willing to pay number one receivers, like I immediately I want to scream, well, they they have to. It's a different game now. So does Bill O'Brien have that gravitas to be able to say to Bill Belichick, hey, we've got to do things differently, especially offensively?
1: He he will, maybe not in that specific area, even as someone who benefited from DeAndre Hopkins all those years down in Houston. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course dealt DeAndre Hopkins to Arizona, but <laughs> I, the fact that O'Brien has as much input with the staff, would you go, hey, it's his offensive staff. What are you talking about? No, no, no. The boss is Bill Belichick, whether you coach offense, defense, or special teams, but he brings in Will Long, 37, former Alabama offensive analyst before that, an assistant with the Texans before that at Penn State. There's a theme here. Yes, he's following Bill O'Brien wherever he goes, says a lot, and it was an easy door to step into because Nick Cayley left it Open on his way out when he left to go to the Rams, but you know, Bill O'Brien has a lot to say, perhaps as much, if not more say than any recent coordinator to kind of step in this late in the Belichick era. So yeah, I think he might have some input there, but the system, the roster building philosophy, I have a hard time seeing Bill O'Brien have much sway there because if we go back to Bill O'Brien, the GM that was a disaster. People want to talk about Bill, the GM versus Bill, the head coach in New England. Okay. Not as bad as Bill, the GM and Bill, the head coach down in Houston.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that was not a good couple of years there uh, for Bill O'Brien after rebuild Penn state. So, I mean, I I guess we agree at the top of it. T Higgins would be my guy. Hopefully you have some more names. If T Higgins is not realistic, some more realistic names Um, after that, like I sort of the next group of things, they they feel like housekeeping items that they have to get done. Mm -hmm. Um, they they have a bunch of soon to be you mentioned extensions for guys Andrew and of the guys that the they that next two years are going to come up don't they have to re sign Kyle Duggar like yes. I, I I I don't think they have a lot of to steal Mike Lombardi's overused term blue chip players now maybe they can get in, in the draft last year was a step in the right direction and maybe there's guys who emerged this year that we like could potentially be blue chip players I think Kyle Duggar is a blue chip player I think he eventually is going to be one of the the better safeties in the AFC. I don't want to risk getting to a point where he's got this last year of his deal. Are you going to franchise tag him? I'd be looking at extending Kyle Duggar and making sure his contract's taken care of. And the same thing—I can't remember to say this—with Michael Wenu. their offensive line—it's not good. It's, it's not a good. Offensive line. Go ahead. Yep. Go ahead. It's he's not on list. It's not a good offensive line, and I hate offensive line talk. Do it. up. You know, <laughs> I, I, I hate it Cause I, I don't. I, I just want to watch quarterbacks play. I don't care. About the big fat guys in front. Here's what I know: the Patriots' offensive line was not very good. And maybe the best foundational piece you have is on Wenu. I, you know, just looking briefly earlier today at the guys who are going to be free agents, Duggar and on Wenu both stood out as guys like, Well, if I gotta sign some players, these two the two guys I have on my list in the next couple of years to make sure I re-up. Because if if we're gonna take out this time about how good Mac Jones has to be and the offense has to be, you got to protect him see Joe Burrow and the Bengals, I'm signing those two guys. They're worth spending big money on, I think. Well, let's let's stay here then, because I had a
1: couple more names on this list, and, and one of them will depend on the performance next year, and the questions about him are largely due to health. But, you know, the offensive tackle situation was terrible. It wasn't all the time due to Trent Brown. Like, that guy played 98% of your offensive snaps. There's talent there that I think still needs to be cultivated and developed, like we saw, maybe not even to 2018 levels, okay? But the player that... Flash, maybe even a little bit in Vegas, and we saw in 2021, granted he was playing right tackle. But you get a real offensive line coach in there like Adrian Clem, I think you see some of that. It's worth saying, hey, Trent Brown, if you really want to stick around here, maybe we'll extend you now. Opens up a little bit of cap space for us. You get another year or two. You know I think it's still wise to draft uh, an offensive tackle day one or day two. But Duggar, Unwenu, Trent Brown – Remondre stevenson is the other name and he's not extension eligible yet but again within this two year window they play out the 2023 season you engage him and his agent before that final deal be like look josh jacobs is on the market he's probably not going to get more than a year or two and that was maybe the best running back in the league if he gets eight nine million great we'll give you long-term security we'll give you a comparable contract we'll allow you to continue to grow in the system and be our number one what do you think about that and for the Patriots, hey, that's good business because, as I mentioned, the cap is going to go up by perhaps $25 million next year. And a couple agents have told me it be close to $300 million in 2025. <laughs> well, all these deals in the next couple of years, yeah, you're right. <laughs> that's gambling money, that's TV money, that's everything, Let's go. are really important. If you can extend guys in the next couple of years, that is good business for teams across the NFL, and specifically the quarterback position. But if you don't have that settled – you might as well knock all these out. And I'm right with you. Duggar and Wayne and Trent Brown. I don't have figures next to these like I do for some other yeah. players we'll talk about. But just, just keep them in mind. Even though the conversations
0: aren't happening this March and this April, they're coming up soon. So the, that's sir, the, those are my the – two, the two biggest things to me are getting talent for Mac Jones uh, and then obviously offensive lines got to sort of be rebuilt and bring back some of your own players. I have some, some weird – coaching slash team things that are probably going to sound ridiculous to say out loud, but since it's this podcast, I will do it. Um, <laughs> we just spent a year. It was a wasted year. You've written about it. I've talked yeah. about it. A wasted year on offense because they didn't quite know what to do with the offensive quarterback position, offensive coaching position, quarterback coach, Patricia and judge were a disaster. You, you, you get a mulligan cause you're bill Belichick. He can't do that again. And Kraft can't do that again. And so as ridiculous as this is going to sound, Okay, I totally understand this. They got to start planning for post Bill O'Brien right now, and I say that because I've seen it happen so many times. Andrew, you get one or two good years as a coordinator in the NFL for a young quarterback, you get hired immediately. Like that—that that is not changing. We've seen some defensive coaches that have been hired, but it's still—it's it, trending towards offense. Uh, it's trending towards the McVeigh tree, and so I, I understand that there was some story out there, and maybe you can confirm or add some color to this. That they were worried about Bill O'Brien a year ago because it was going to be a one and done situation. Newsflash: If he coaches well and Mac Jones has a Pro Bowl All Pro year, it's going to be one and done. Unless there's like a little handshake deal saying, "Hey, I'll stay for two years." So I, I just look at what happened in Buffalo. Like they they lost Dayball, but at least Ken Dorsey was sort of waiting in the wings. Maybe not as good, but it didn't completely fall off. They played their worst game of the year and the most important game of the year. I don't blame Ken Dorsey for that. They had a bad game up and down. They were not ready to play for some ridiculous reason at home against that team. So I I I think you have to already be sort of planning out, OK, when Bill O'Brien goes, who's the next guy to step on offensively? Because you cannot have another year like this. Is that is that way too talk radio reactionary to a team that just hired their coordinator like a week ago?
1: No, and, and first of all, this is a safe space. So, so the weirdest things you want, I will definitely <laughs> cut them up and put them on Twitter as the teasers yeah, for all these different episodes. No fear, I will absolutely spotlight any sort of humiliating moments. But secondarily, it's a great point on its own. Thirdly, it's it's a point that Karen Griggy and my colleague at the Herald made on Sunday. Went through a list of people because you know, again, smart, the, the smart. failure to have a a succession plan for Tom Brady. For Rob Gronkowski, all of those years that Gronkowski retired. Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels, exactly. And it's not only the offensive coordinator component of this, which is obviously a big, very important job. Bill O'Brien is going to be the quarterback's coach. And again, if Mac Jones is here and he has another new quarterback's coach in year four, who is that guy? Now, some of the names that Karen listed internally, because that's where you have to start with any sort of Belichick coaching search, as we saw, it was just ex-players or or friends around the league. (laughs) Yep. Name that I would keep in mind, because he coached quarterbacks at the Shrine Bowl and actually goes back with Bill O'Brien when he was a player and O'Brien was a head coach at Penn State and recruited him, is Ross Douglas. Now, I would not feel comfortable to say, yeah, this will happen, this will work, because Ross Douglas has been here for two years, one of which he coached on defense. But the next year, Belichick felt comfortable enough to make him the youngest position coach in the entire league. Not assistant receivers coach, just wide receivers coach. Now he's coaching quarterbacks and being the offensive coordinator at the Shrine Bowl. I don't know how much that says, but I know it says more than a lot of people would have expected. So maybe that experience working with O'Brien, if O'Brien does leave in 2024, maybe it's 2025 or beyond is just a, just a name to watch because no one else in house, you know, there are a couple other assistants. Tyler Hughes is a guy who coached the high school and college level and work with some quarterbacks, but is still in the kind of offensive assistant doesn't have a position. There's no one else that says, obvious and again you're not importing the system so you're replacing two jobs with o'brien and it's not, it's it's a great point because they need to have a succession
0: plan and that's really what's dragged them down as much as the bad draft the last three four years and they botched I mean, they botched the second year of their young quarterback's career they just they just yeah. did i again reading your story and the work you guys did just watching the all year they just they effed it up so badly that they just can't let it happen again and as a as a secondary piece to that this is not for Bill Belichick, obviously, because I don't want Bill making this call. But the crafts need to, if they haven't done it already, this is the year to sit down and go, who's our head coach after Bill Belichick? Like, I, I think the reality, if you're the biggest Patriot fan ever, the honk who's wearing the, the cutoff sweatshirt, watching the games <laughs> in Bill We Trust, tattooed somewhere in your body, even you have to admit, we're getting to the end here. And so just like with the offensive coordinator quarterbacks coach, they need to start working on their list internally whether it's maybe it's as simple as hey gerard mayo is going to be here he's our next head coach but they've got to have that sincere reality a realistic conversation that bill's not going to be here forever we love him as our head coach but when he goes as as karen wrote on sunday who's the next guy in line at all these different positions we botched recently and it's it's gonna it sucks to do it because you're thinking about the next head coach but the Crafts have to start thinking about that, Andrew, because these such an, it's such an important piece of them getting back to being in the Super Bowl. That should happen these next two years. I'm not saying Bill should go, but they should have their list ready to go, a working list that if Bill is gone, here's the next head coach. That should be part of the next two years, identifying what they're looking for, and then individually who it might be as simple as May or somebody on the staff right now.
1: Okay, I want to hit this quickly and then go back to the end of your two-year plan here, but um, you're gonna handle most of the betting segment coming up about the Super Bowl props, winners get to spread. Sure, yeah. Right now, if I could hit pause and go have a quick conversation with my fiance about how much money I could bet comfortably about the successor to Bill Belichick, I would put close to the maximum amount I am allowed with a wedding coming up at a honeymoon on drive mail. I think it wow. is not uh, you know, a, a handshake agreement. I don't think there's anything written, but I was. Very wrong a couple of months ago in saying, you know, I think he could be gone. There was frustration, I will say, in his part and feeling there was a ceiling and he had outgrown his current role when he was allowed to in New England. A lot of that has been smoothed over as of late, as we heard from Karen about new responsibilities and role change. I don't think the title changes, but a lot of people in that building believe he's the next guy. That doesn't mean an opportunity will come up in the next head coaching cycle next winter and drought has to take it because it's an offer he can't refuse and his profile is only growing at this point. But I think the Crafts will do all but anything to keep him here. I think they did. It worked. And uh, like you said, Bill's getting towards wow. the end. So, anyway, I, not taking any more money.
0: I, I'm, I'm, I'm telling people that are listening right now that when Andrew says that the way he said it, you should take note. There are a few people tied in on this Patriots beat. Andrew is one of them. So, when he says, I'm going to bet our honeymoon money on Joaquin <laughs> Mayo being the head coach, maybe I'll we'll just go in seven days to four. How about that? <laughs> I, and by the way, like if if based on what I, I know about Gerard Mayo, uh, having watched him coach, talk people who've been around Gerard Mayo, both on the, the business side and the football side, it feels like a, a it, that'd be a, a sharp move, you know, because I, I think he's someone who can command respect on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball, being a former player and a recent former player. There's a respect in there amongst guys who'll be playing for him. And I think he'll be able to delegate. I don't. Gerard Mayo, from people I've talked to, he's not a type of guy that's going to have to be uh, hands-on. Is not the word, right, but like, re, like uh, over your shoulder. He's gonna. He's gonna let guys who are doing their coaching do their coaching. So if that's they won't the case, micromanage. yeah, that's the. Thank you. See, that's why you're the journalist and I'm unemployed. He won't <laughs> micromanage these guys. So if that's the case, if they've identified him, I'm okay with that. Uh, the end of my two-year plan. These again, these are dumb things that no one wants to hear about. But Nick Folk's a million years old. They need to figure out what the kicker is gonna be long term. And I, I punting wise, like is Jake Bailey's back bad? Is he just a crappy punter all of a sudden? Because they're special teams. You know, it was it was tough some Mondays talking to Matthew Slater on the radio because you didn't want to come out and say it, but it's like they they dropped off big time. And I don't think it was just I don't think it was just Cam Acord. Uh, I think it was a talent drop-off too and, and performance drop-off, and so like kicker and punter the next two years i I, i'd be shocked that we sit here two years from now and nick folk and jake bailey are still that special teams unit so that's gonna have some turnover and it's been a strength for them in uh, the last two decades they gotta find a way to find replacements for those two either for the first year or second year because they don't feel like long-term options in that position so he hates offensive line talk
1: but he will dive head first into special teams just mike mike (laughs) vanansky everybody (laughs)
0: Uh, so that's, I mean, I, that's a lot of what I wrote down. I, I'm sure you're more specific. Yeah. I, I painted with a broad brush here, but I think number one with a bullet is still the offensive talent. So I, I look forward to hear where, where you want to take this team the next couple of years.
1: Okay, so I'm going to go through my two-year plan and then I'm going to jump straight to the one-year plan because there's okay. honestly a, a lot of overlap here. I didn't yeah, want to project and I started to look at 2024 for agents who might come available. Some people could be resigned. What would the, the dollar value be? Again, with the question marks about the salary cap, People staying or going, what do the Patriots roster look like in a year? Too much uncertainty there, let alone the 2024 draft. So there's one big addition I'm going to have from this two-year plan when we shrink it down to just one-year plan, of which there's a couple more rules I just want to lay out before we get to that. But two-year plan, I already said, attacking the number one receiver market, which right now is strictly a trade market. Okay, The best receivers available are going to be Jacoby Myers and Juju Smith-Schuster. Jacoby... Hats off to him, leading receiver for three straight seasons. I've talked about this before. He seems to be in this weird friend zone with NFL evaluators, so I like you. But I don't really want to pay up to marry you or call you a number one. And you know what? Yep. He's not, and that's fine. There's a player, though, who plays a lot like him and I think has already hit a ceiling and is in a tier above Jacoby Myers when you look at body type, uh, positional you know, versatility, uh, strong hands, excellent route runner, and that's Keenan Allen. Okay, so Keenan Allen, like DeAndre Hopkins, who you mentioned, but you're not trading for, is going to turn 31. He is one of two receivers since 2017 to average 70 yards per game every single season. Now, he did miss seven games. Health has been a concern for him. But his performance at age 30 did not. His per game averages were higher this year than they've been the last four years for catches, yards, first down. So he is still much the same player and his contract would run through this season and next. That's the window. The reason I'm trading for Keenan Allen, who now people are coming to realize, even though I talked about this a month ago, not that my reach is particularly far, but it's it's obvious <laughs> if you just look up his contract, he is a cut candidate with the Chargers, who yeah. are in the left lane straight towards cap help. So if you're the Patriots, I say, I don't want to wait for you to decide to cut him. Okay, I have to then fight with the Giants, and the Falcons, and the Texans, and the Bears, and maybe Baltimore, who still needs a receiver, or, or the Seahawks. To sign for his services with some of those teams have a better quarterback than we do. I will do a deal right now, calling to the Chargers, like the Amara Cooper deal happened with Dallas and the Browns a few years ago. Now, Amara Cooper was about to be on the hook for 20 million. Keenan Allen's salary is going to be about 15.5. That deal, though, was two fifth round picks and a swap of six rounders. So, what I'm saying here is, I don't think this takes a whole lot to get Keenan Allen off the Chargers books into your locker room. And of course, on your books, $15.5 million is a lot. But then they don't have any cost if they want to cut him in 2024. You can wash your hands, no real dead money. You're fine. So he's a guy who fits in the slot, gives you number one upside. Of course, you'd rather have the younger guy who profiles similarly in Jacoby Myers. I just think if you sign him instead of trading for a Keenan Allen, or we talked about Hopkins and obviously T. Higgins, if that's available, to Jared Judy fits in that same mold, you're Judy. just kind of running it back. And we've seen what this looks like, okay? You can't count on internal improvement to make the jump you need to to get to a place that you haven't even sniffed the last four years in terms of getting a playoff win if you just have the same guys on your offense.
0: Yeah, I, I'm I'm not going to push back at all. I mean, Keenan Allen, and here here's the other benefit there because they're up against the cap. They have other young receivers who emerge, like Josh Palmer. Uh, I don't think he's a household name, but I'm sure in 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 L.A. they're thinking, well, if we cut him – we can get like 80% of Keenan Allen's production at really a, a percentage of the salary right. that Josh Palmer is going to make versus Keenan Allen. So you have a benefit there because they have other in-house guys obviously going to pay Mike Williams a boatload of money. So they have other skill guys. They probably are convinced like, hey, we have Austin Eckler, who's like a receiver out of the backfield. So I think the other offensive weapons there probably do uh, uh, raise the chances he gets traded. They feel like they can make they can find a way to win without him. The issue here is going to be he is going to be highly sought after. And if we don't think that Bill's going to want to pay receivers, is Bill going to want to get in a bidding war with other teams to trade for Keenan Allen? So when you that Amari Cooper uh, you know uh, comp, I do that in a second. I just feel like now because the league recognized how important these receivers are, that price could be higher. So hopefully Bill's willing to pay it. I have no issues with Keenan Allen at all, a great player. And they had multiple chances to take him years ago in the draft. They missed him twice in the second round. So I'd be fine going back to him finally getting him on the Patriots team.
1: Yeah, Keenan Allen, someone uh, Bill has spoken highly of in the past. Yeah. And, and look, you know, he'll speak highly of a lot of people behind a podium. But, you know, I remember talking to Patriots defensive backs in that last Super Bowl year 2018. I did a, a story about, OK, give me some underrated guys around the league. You got a lot of respect for Don't get a ton of shine. The secondary guys named Keenan Allen to a man like Gilmore, wow. McCourty, Pat Chung, just tons of respect. Four years coming up on five is a lot of time since then. And it's a different crew in there. But I think his game will age well. And you see this even some of the deeper numbers. His average separation last season, sixth highest in the league, ahead of Tyreek Hill, Devonte Adams, and Justin Jefferson, according to next gen stats. So I am in on Keenan Allen. Again, it depends on cost. $15.5 million would take us from $28 million in cap space, effectively, according to over the cap. Let's just say it about 12, okay? So you trade for Keenan Allen, solves one issue. Kobe yep. Myers wants to come back at a discount. Great. If not, we have his 2.0 version. Got it. I, Mike McGlinchey, offensive tackle. Get him ooh. in the building. He's projected a quarter PFF. Four years, $62 million. Big money.
0: Big money tackle. Let's $15. go.
1: $15.5 million per year. But the cap hit in year one, as I just mentioned, when we're talking about this hypothetical extension for T Higgins, can be much lower. Theron Armstead. Last year with Miami, highest paid tackle on the league, one of the best uh, in the entire world in this era. Five years, $75 million. His cap hit in year one was in the neighborhood of $2, 3000000 million. So if you look at McGlinchey, wow. again, you don't want to always kick the can down the road, but let's bump that up to four. Okay, now we're down to $8 million in space. Go get Cam Sutton, Steelers cornerback, equally good in man and zone. He's a capable number two. This is another position like receiver. I think you just start throwing... You know, as the Patriots have in the past, but maybe hopefully not this offseason, a bunch of guys at the wall, see who sticks. We're going to have strength in numbers. The way they pivoted to zone at the end of the season really worked. I think you bring him in. He's projected three years, $25 million. Again, year one, two to three brings us down to, you know, talk about four or $5 million left. At that point, I'm with you. You look at extensions for Duggar, Unwenu, Trent Brown, Stevenson in a year. McCordy and Slater, just say one more. We got, we'll get one more. You can have. Thursday practice is off. You can go to the spa on (laughs) Saturdays, whatever the hell you want. You want to just take, take games off. That's fine. Like they're, they're core guys that I think you can bring back Devin, especially you don't have a free safety in house, but there's no way Matthew Slater was at the core reason for all their special teams troubles. Just say drive the culture one more year, help us out. And then call it quits together in 2023.
0: Doesn't it feel much more likely McCourty comes back than Slater. And I I said for, for two one Slater was much more emotional at the end there. Um, and I, I think there was, so, I felt like a finality to it in the aftermath that emotionally got. And then I did see with McCourty, this is probably means nothing to him, but if he comes back next year. He has the chance to be the highest paid safety in the history of the NFL. If he has a similar, total money. Of, I think total money if McCourty plays one more year at a similar deal last year, highest paid safety in the history of the national football league. So I, I money is not going to dictate it, but to me, it feels like from where I sit. McCordy more likely than Matthew Slater come to come back is that how you see it from what you heard it is, it is not though I would love that oh.
1: title too. give me highest paid whatever and I will ride <laughs> off into the sunset you know put that on a bumper sticker saying this is just driving this car uh, and also of course I meant call it quits in 2023 after the 2023 season obviously gotcha. run the back. you call it quits after the year's over in early 2024 but Matthew Slater according to Mike Reese from ESPN good friend um, has been in the building constantly and is talking about he would accept the coaching role, and we've done this with Matthew Slater for a while. I also just think the wear and tear in his body is different than it is when you talk about volume of snaps than it is for Devin McCourty, who had minor shoulder surgery. Something Gregan confirmed from us. Uh, Mike Reese also reported, but Devin's doing the rounds in media like he knows what he wants to do once his playing career is over. The fact that he's getting these reps in now as intensely as he is, I think, tells me that he's ready to go off, and he knows at least looking at this current roster. You're eight, nine. You weren't that close. Okay. Like that offense was that bad. They're going to need a real infusion of talent. And it's always fun. I just, you know, it's, it's not a bigger commitment for, for Devin McCourty than Matthew Slater. It's not, those guys are absolutely hundred percent all in. I just think given the state of his body, cause he's had gotten us how many shoulder surgeries at this point and the way he's been spending his time in the bye week and now in the off season, I think he's ready and I think he's good at it. And you know what? Good for him.
0: Yeah, it, it's the the bar is pretty low. Um, former players who can go in there and and, and do it well, like I, I think like Greg Olson is a great example. A year ago, no one talked about him. Now, because has a couple of good games, he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. McCordy would be excellent. His brother is really good on Good Morning Football. He'd be excellent doing it. So I'm with you. Try to get him to run it one more time, but I, I don't think that's the most extreme of your one and two year plan ideas. At least that I, I you previewed before we came on today. So I, I think I think you need to tell the people the most ridiculous idea you have about the next year for the Patriots. All right. Well, let me
1: give you an appetizer first. Um, Okay, good. You know, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you two apps. One of which is draft, because I know people want to hear this. We've got some mailbag questions about the draft two corners in my mind that have my attention from the little I've watched so far and and read about and talked to some friends. They still have in the college ranks about Illinois Devin Witherspoon. This dude is, he has that dog in him, as they say, like (laughs) a corner hits like all hell. You know, turnover generating, just awesome player. Brett Bielma is still at Illinois. could give the Patriots some intel. He might not last to 14. I like him a lot. The other one, Joey Porter Jr. out of Penn State. Yes, son of former Steelers outside linebacker, Joey Porter. Six foot two, ball skills for days, can play man, good in zone, like has been good from the jump. That's a guy I think you can plug in. And again, throw him at the wall, see how many number two corners stick. And I mentioned Cam Sutton. You could also throw Jamel Dean in there. I've written about this before, but just build up that, that corner down. The second appetizer, we're getting this could be a full meal here, is a different trade, not the one that you know about, which is coming. This is a NBA style salary dump of John Smith's contract, which, if you'll remember, we had, and I this had to be the Bill O'Brien era, but I don't think he had GM powers just yet. So this was not his idea, but he was around when it happened. The Texans traded in 2016 or 17, Brock Osweiler and a second round pick to Mm -hmm. Cleveland for nothing. It was a get his money off our books. You buy a second round pick. Obviously, something came back. I don't remember what it was, but it was this whole, what a brilliant idea. And everyone who's watched (laughs) or followed the NBA goes, yeah, that happens all the time. They're called expiring contracts. Okay, it's just a way to get money off your books. So if you're the Patriots, you don't need to give up a second round pick. But Jonu Smith, who is going to definitively be on your books, something like 17 million coming up this year. They kicked money into 2024. So all a lot of this is guaranteed. You can't just outright cut him. It's going to be a ton of dead money, no cap savings. You can't do it. Trade him and a conditional third round pick to the likes of teams I've already mentioned multiple times, a Houston, an Atlanta, a Chicago, where if John who cracks 300 receiving yards, that's it. Something he's not done in New England yet. Then that converts to a fourth. That gives you $10 million in cap savings this year, 6 million in dead money, but you take it. And if you say, okay, well, that's too much. That's too soon. If you wait a year, the numbers really aren't that different, according to over the cap. So I say get this done now, create $10 million in cap space, bite the bullet with the dead money, free up a spot, maybe extend Hunter Henry for a year, who's at least been uh, productive, as we've seen in this offense when featured. And you create some space in addition to getting off one of the worst contracts in the league right now.
0: Yeah, it's really unfortunate that no one's really surprised. If you follow John o. Smith in Tennessee, you can't be surprised that he's not panned out here. Well, in Tennessee, it was it was there was nobody there, and he still could not be the focal point of that offense. He's been a complete and utter failure, uh, part of that offseason where they spent money recklessly and really did not get a whole lot of return for it. Uh, I I'm all for getting him off the books just to get even a young drafted tight end, Andrew, like into that spot. And it's a warm body would do more than John o. Smith is doing, who's maybe his, his career highlight is that one catch he had in the one catch game the Patriots had in Buffalo uh last year, that athletic play that he made. Yeah. I I'm with you. I would get rid of him in a second, would not would not affect this team one iota for the next two years.
1: Is that too much though for you? A third round pick? Like you're not the money for Johnny wasn't as big as it was for Brock Osweiler, though proportionally maybe it's a little bit different, accounting for inflation, yada, yada, but not thinking about this too hard. Like, would you get off no. a late third round pick? No, I think
0: the reason why it's not too much is because what is that? What, what's the opportunity cost? Like who is not playing because they've got to feel like they have to play John Smith because they paid him X amount of money. So it's already a sunk cost to them. If they're going to, well, we have to play him because we paid him and get him off the roster. No, I, 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 and that's one of Bill Belichick's strengths, by the way, is acknowledging when something has not worked. And it feels like we're at now the official John Smith is not working here. It's been a couple of years. They've tried a million different things, get them going out of the backfield, get them going in motion, handoffs behind the line of scrimmage. They've tried everything. It's not working here. So no, I would bite the bullet and and, and trade a, a draft pick to get him off the books because I am sure they can find somebody else to be more productive than what John has been giving them in that spot. Even if it means eating money for a year or two to make it happen. All right, I'm going to count that as a win.
1: Um, yes, win for you. So all right, so you tease this. My one-year plan, which... The working assumption here is, okay, this is a F them picks, all in, Rams mentality. Bill Belichick's uh, career has gotten bad news from the doctor. It's terminal. He's out in February 2024. Everything is about making the Super Bowl in 12 months. That's it. It doesn't matter. Things in the future, for all intents and purposes, are non-existent. Now, obviously, we're about Draft Mayo would take over. His two sons are going to coach, but His time in New England is done. This would never happen. I do not subscribe to any of this theory, this approach. The Patriots would never take an FM picks All in mentality. But again, this is fun. It's Super Bowl week. Get your own podcast. What I would do if I were the Patriots and I had a one-year plan to get to the Super Bowl or else, Aaron Rodgers, come on down. (laughs) You got to trade for the best quarterback available. The rough, rough, rough framework for this would be the Russell Wilson trade. Yes, one of the worst trades in NFL history. For a fresher course, I'm going to get through the contract stuff, which took up way more of my day than it should have. Two first-round <laughs> picks, two second-round picks, a fifth-rounder, Drew Lock, Shelby Harris, and Noah Fant for Wilson yep. and a fourth-round pitch. Which, I, my, I don't know about you. I would love to know the haggling that went on between Denver and Seattle when it came to two first, two seconds. We need a fifth, too. We need a fifth. No, no, no. Well, if we're giving you Wilson and a fourth, it's got to be a fifth. And then, obviously, that deal happens. Wilson gets an extension. This is complicated, okay? It's not a one-for-one deal. Wilson is younger. He's worse. He was worse at the time, even especially with Rodgers coming off another MVP. He was traded with one year left in his deal. Rodgers, again, of course, older, still better, has a few years left in his deal with his extension, which gets complicated. But before I go through any of that and run down some numbers... Your reaction to Aaron Rodgers, Patriots quarterback?
0: You're saying sh- you're shaking your head. Okay. The reaction is: you can give me all the numbers you want. I'm still going to mock the hell out of this. No, I don't. He, 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 he has hijacked the Packers. He would come here and hijack the Patriots. And this past weekend, like even if you are the most supportive Aaron Rodgers Packers fan, this guy's at the pro am, telling uh, uh, Amanda—I I forget her last name. That's not Zalatoris, but uh, Balator. I forget her name on CBS. But he's over and over all these teams. He likes New York. The Raiders fans are loud. Like, he is he's publicly saying, I'm not going back to Green Bay. He is still their quarterback. So he's going to be traded. He's going to help some team win. But there's been other guys who come in on, like, one year, like Phillip Rivers to Indy, just went and sh- shut up, go there, make a playoff run. If they had to do that, in the Andrew Callahan end-of-the-line scenario, Super Bowl or bust, there are other quarterbacks who maybe you're not as likely to get there but they could play at a level that would be almost there and not be the same A-hole factor as Rodgers. So no, 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 especially when you consider the the early returns in that Russell Wilson trade. You're so right. One of the all-time – it looked great at the time Denver got their guy. A year later, and it's a disaster for that team. So there's enough smoke there to say there's a fire. I don't want Rodgers. I don't want his McAfee interviews, his dating random celebrities. His complaining about the offense. No, 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 no. The whatever it is he's sm- whatever he's those drugs. He's doing no, no, no. Part of him, and I can't believe somebody like you, a level-headed Patriots beat guy, is even sp- spitting this out there into the ether today. You're out of your mind.
1: Uh, I'm going to tell you two things to see if they change your mind. Yeah. One, HBO calls the league and was like, "Okay, it's Belichick's last year. Rogers yeah. is there." Rodgers versus Bill O'Brien is really going to turn some heads whenever they blow up, inevitably blow up. Can we do hard knocks? And the league says yes. You can do hard knocks, training camp, preseason, and in season. That's a yes. You get get a behind-the-scenes glimpse of this whole thing.
0: I watch it but that see this two different things that see i thought we were building out like trying to get there that would be a oh a- we are trying I- to get there the,
1: the second part but that
0: no no it would that that would sidetrack that would <laughs> sidetrack the whole thing i would love to watch it but it would not help the entire so this
1: is mutt. radio host hat on the gm hat is off and and hard knocks is not oh, necessarily for one please.
0: year oh uh, radio host yes, so yes. I, I will I, I will pick up rogers in the airport i'll do it for a year that's what I wanted to hear. Okay. Okay.
1: Okay. The Dwight Schrute deal. Yeah. So the other thing <laughs> I was going to tell you is that if they do or whatever team trades are in, yeah. the, the question is, is obviously the contract and the contract is massive. It's one of the more complex deals in the entire league, which is going to of course affect uh, as well as his market and how many suitors and the level of interest, you know, what leverage Green Bay has in those talks and the return. So again, again, the very rough, framework i put out there something the patriots would never do this is never going to happen i'll say it again but let's have a little bit of fun the deal with rogers contract first and foremost is that the whatever team he's with has a decision between march 15th which is the start of the new league year the start of free agency and the day before the packers first regular season game to pick up an option and what this option does is basically extends the contract it adds a couple of years on there and what it does is also reduce his 2023 cap hit so this upcoming season to 15.8 million. million. So forget about cash flow, just talk about the percentage of your cap that you're occupying. 15.8 million dollars called 16. 16 million dollars at a 225 which is going to be the cap this year for Aaron freaking Rodgers is a hell of a deal. The issue is the only way you pick up that option is if you drop off a bag of 58 guaranteed million dollars at <laughs> his front doorstep because He's actually getting paid a whole lot more in 2023. But again, it reduces the cap hit on the books, which then gets spread out over future years. So naturally, his cap hit goes up in 2024 and 2025. We don't care about that. So the other part about this window, which again, you know, the team that has him needs to make a decision on this. If you trade for Aaron Rodgers in that window, you get the decision on the option, but you're probably going to pick it up because you want Aaron Rodgers and not $60 million on, on your cap in one single year, is that if you do this after June 2nd, the Packers, who are still going to be left with dead money, get to split it up between this year and next. And before I lose everyone, I'll just say that that if you do the Packers that solid and say, we'll do this deal in June 2nd, hold on X amount of cap space, have a handshake deal, that will lower their asking price, surely, assuming other teams aren't willing to do that. So maybe it's not the two firsts and the two seconds and the fifth and the three players for blah, blah, blah. Maybe it's a 2024 first round pick, which we don't care about much in this scenario. Maybe no, it is two second round picks. Devontae Parker, you need a receiver and pick another middle-ish kind of young player. I'd put Josh Uche down, assuming the Patriots might get outpriced with his free agency in 2024. People like Josh Uche. I just think they could grab a guy in day two who might provide that same sort of speed rush, though we once thought that about Josh Uche in 2020. And three years later, it finally happened. I just think if you're going to go all in for one year, you need an elite quarterback. You get him at that kind of price. Again, the cash flow is Thank God the crafts pockets are as deep as they are. There's a world in which it works. And it and it sounds like it might for all the teams you've just talked about. The Jets, the Raiders, no, like that's no. what they're sifting through when you talk about an Aaron Rodgers deal, which is not going to happen in New England, but we can and I,
0: in, in your scenario, by the way. So this is Belichick's last year. So this is yeah, Bill. Yeah. Fi- okay. And, and so in his final year, he asked to sort of genuflect the altar of this, you know, ridiculous, ego-centric quarterback. That's the other part that's it's a, it's a love fest. You have you seen them? No, you, 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 yeah. When he's not on the team, and it's great how Bill loves these guys who are not here, and, and they show up like, uh, yeah, he loved Randy Moss for a year, and that thing wore out. It's welcome. This is only for a year, so the short window works. You made the money work, and, and you could potentially sell me on some of the football reasons why it would work. But then I imagine Bill Belichick in his final season, sort of turning it over to, to Andrew Rod, uh, 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 Roger, Aaron Rodgers. With Mac Jones sitting on the bench yeah. watching Rogers play. I would love to see it, but I can't advocate for it if our plan is to help them win. As the talk show is to sign me up. As the GM guy, I have to veto this trade. I'm
1: sorry. Yeah, emphasis, one year plan. Um, but it uh it took up too much of my day. We couldn't spit <laughs> all that out. So we shared that. All right, you have to go soon. We have yeah. Super Bowl bets, the line from Bet Online, AG, Philly minus one and a half. You have a prop that you love. I think you've already given it out or put money down. Um, tell us first which way you're leaning, which team, and then
0: get to the prop. Uh, I look forward to your take on this game too. Hopefully, you've thought about this game. Uh, so, where I, we're taping this on Tuesday afternoon, uh, where I am right now, and I, I hard to, I don't think I'll be moved off this position, but I, I'm on Kansas City plus the points with no real feel for the over under, and, and a general game take will be for me specifically. Uh, I think the Eagles had a very easy road to get here. I think the Kansas City Chiefs' experience in big games like this is going to pay off. And I look at some of the, the s- smaller pieces to that. Uh, St- C. Spagnola, defensive coordinator for Kansas City, has a history in big games against Tom Brady, by the way, of finding something to shut down a high-powered offense. Eagles' offense is high-powered, but I'm not sure Jalen Hurts is healthy. And I'm not sure they faced a very tough road to get here. In the NFC Championship game, they were gifted Josh Johnson at quarterback for 3 quarters of that game and it was still 7-7 or 10-7 whatever it was before he fumbled the ball there before halftime it was a game until then and then it wasn't anymore so to me the 2 weeks a major advantage for Kansas City given their history here it gives it mahomes a chance to heal we saw he had a, ba- a bulky ankle in that AFC title game i think he'll be i won't say 100% but i don't think he'll be completely hampered where it's going to be a major issue 2 weeks coaching tap experience in. No team has an easier path to get to a Super Bowl than Philadelphia's had. They can't change their schedule, but they had an easy schedule and then caught Brock Purdy, you know, banged up in the NFC title game. So with the chance to get the best quarterback of his era, not named Brady, getting points in a Super Bowl, I've got to back Kansas City. So from a game standpoint, Kansas City plus one and a half. If you want to do that, you're it's minus 110. If you want to take them on the money line, it's minus 105. I think I found a genius way to take that opinion, which is Kansas City wins the game and turn that into plus 125 plus 30. And that is Patrick Mahomes to win the MVP. Now I understand that the in the MVP of the regular season is a quarterback award. The Super Bowl is a little bit different. We've seen non-quarterbacks win, but I keep playing this thing out. And there's just so few scenarios where the Chiefs win here, Andrew, and Mahomes is not the MVP. And two times recently, Okay, Mahomes involved the in one in them, by the way. Two times recently, an offensive player in a Super Bowl had an MVP performance and did not win. James White in the Patriots Super Bowl did everything he possibly could to win. They still gave it to Tom Brady. A couple of years ago, Damian Williams did yeah. everything you could possibly do to win the MVP in the Super Bowl. They still gave it to Mahomes. So I hate to bag on your brethren, but those Diet Coke sucking uh, media guys up in the booth they get they get blinded by quarterback. It's diamond Mountain so- Dew. Mutt. get it right, please. <laughs> My Mountain Dew. Sorry. <laughs> uh, they 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 have to they 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 get the, they pass that thing around. They go oh the quarterback winning teams the MVP. Yeah. And so to me, if I like Kansas City and I want to bet them, I can get more value out of betting Mahomes at plus one twenty five or plus one thirty. It's available plus one thirty at MGM Springfield right now at Western Massachusetts versus betting the Kansas City Chiefs to win the game. That being said, I think there's a there's a, one other player in Travis Kelsey who could theoretically win the MVP. You need like three touchdown receptions, 100-plus yards, maybe a game winner. He could do it. Well, here's the good thing for you. He's like 12, 13 to 1. So you can bet, let's call it 80% of what you want to bet on the MVP on Mahomes if you agree with me, and then back that up with 20% on Kelsey and still set yourself up to win the sort of same amount of money if the Chiefs win. So, of course, if the Eagles win and Jalen Hurts is great or it's a low-scoring game, maybe I don't win. If Chris Jones has six sacks of Jalen Hurts and get two picks, I don't win. But I, I think the Chiefs win this game. It's a, a game they get into the 20s, and Mahomes throws three touchdowns. You're getting better value in him to win the MVP. So, for me, my biggest stance today, and there'll be a couple more bets I'll make between now and Sunday, Mahomes to win the MVP. And, again, we're gonna people are going to hear this on Wednesday or Thursday. We don't know yet, Andrew, about the Kansas City wide receivers. Nico Hardman's not going to play. Juju's banged up. Uh, 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 Tony's banged up. He said last night at media night he's going to play. But as you get clarification on that, maybe you can find the one guy who's very healthy. If you get word that so-and-so is close to 100%, he's going to play a lot. They might be worth playing on props and sort of reception totals and over-under stuff like that. But there's not, I don't have the info yet to do it. And so uh, this early in the week, I can tell you for sure, Mahomes MVP for me, a sprinkling of Kelsey MVP, i like the Chiefs to win the game over a team in Philadelphia that wasn't lucky to get here, but they got a pretty sweet path to get here.
1: That is all very well said, and I'm glad we disagree because agreeing with me the less interesting <laughs> podcast. Um, my thing for me is I, I like the matchup and the way you said, Hey, these are very deserving teams. In my opinion, these are the two best teams in football, particularly the way you look at the way they finish the season. Injuries, obviously, playing a factor for Kansas City, but they're healthy, like not taking anyone else in the AFC. This matchup speaks, as so many others have, including their Super Bowl against the Bucs, the power of a great quarterback and how much he can paper over and overcome versus a well-built, well-rounded roster like you have in Philly, which is not driven by the quarterback. He does drive the run game. He does so much. I'm not here to diminish Jalen Hurts. But the reason they thrive so well is because of the talent around him, like A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and perhaps the league's best offensive line. I think there are too many matchup issues for Casey to overcome unless they get an early lead and force Jalen Hurts to play a little bit of catch up and be a little more uncomfortable because as you said, Philly has not had a lot of experience being uncomfortable in the areas that I look at. You mentioned Kelsey. Philly is sixth against tight ends by defensive DVOA this season. The Kansas City defense is 31st by DVOA against number one wide receivers being obviously AJ Brown. Now their corners have come along. They play a lot of rookies. It's just I look at those matchups, plus the offensive tackles for Kansas City, and it's not as bad as it was in that, that Buck Super Bowl, Okay, all the injuries and and whatnot. But Philly's coming with waves and waves and waves and pass rush. They're really good in the interior, a little bit less of a tackle, and I think that's where you might get in kind of strip-stack territory. And the KC might be able to dam up a lot of that. I just think one of those dams is going to break at receiver over the edge and offensive tackle or a turnover, they're trying to force something to Kelsey, who, you know, again, has overcome all this attention all year long. But I just, I like Philly um, against the spread, obviously, straight up. Then it's just, yep. I think it's going to be a hell of a game.
0: I just, the the first quarter is going to tell us a lot. Well, you mentioned the first quarter. I mean, that's the other thing Kansas City has going for them because Philadelphia has had all these leads. Like, all, all year, they're an awesome first-half team. They're, the Philadelphia Eagles are fourth in the NFL in first quarter scoring. The Chiefs are fifth. So I don't think Kansas City is going to be bombarded by Philadelphia early. They'll be able to withstand it. And then for me, you bring up a great point. How does Philly respond if they are trailing, you know, 10-3 at half? Like, how do they end up bouncing back? How do they push back? So that, that chess match early on is going to be super important. And if Kansas City does fall behind, they're not Brock Purdy and the 49ers. They have the firepower, even with kind of a substandard wide receiver group. Um, to to end up making uh, some plays late in the second half, so I think if Philadelphia falls behind, I feel pretty good about Kansas City. If Kansas City falls behind, I'm not going to rule them out because they have enough offense and they still have Mahomes to make a run. Um, and I'll be watching those quarterback, those wide receiver injuries all week to see who might step in in the in, in the void of miko Hardman, who got I think three catches and a couple of carries in the game, the AFC title game. So they've got some touches to to make good. Could it be the rookie Sky Moore? who they love mm. back in training camp and sort of flatline during the year. Is this the game that they uh, unleash him? They've got Noah Gray, who I gave out uh, as Town prop last time we talked. That, of course, did not hit. Um, they've got good. other backup tight ends, Jody Fortson, uh, Blake Bell. They've other guys they can go to there. So I-, I cannot wait for this matchup. I'm with you. It's a good game. But I'm glad we're on different sides of the thing.
1: The other thing uh, for me with Philly is the run defense of kansas city which is you know 15th by dvoa you look over the last six seven weeks it's down to 23rd which has me a little worried and all this optionality and different looks it's not quite like playing the ravens or navy in college football but it's it's a different look that might take them time to adjust to granted the counter is they have an extra week to prepare they can do that they can bring in different scouting quarterbacks whatever you want it's just something where kansas city is going to have to scheme up some stops against that running game because i just don't think their personnel is suited to do it down after down after down let alone against a running attack like this but again Mahomes is just so good or if he can escape awesome. the rush and extend plays a lot of those advantages just kind of dissipate because either he catches up to you on offense and can keep pace in a shootout um, or he'll do something that you just aren't built for your own self on offense um and and finds those those gaps in the zone or some mismatch because someone springs free because that's what happens when it devolves down to backyard football and no one in the league even josh allen Patrick <laughs> Mahomes when you're just kind of slinging in the backyard with with your guys do you have time for a mailbag or should we bounce uh i got how,
0: five ten minutes i still got left for you buddy okay yeah, we need.
1: five minutes let's run through we got sure. three uh all from twitter you can always follow us at pats interpod the stupid twitter limit of all the changes, we need one extra character. This could be Pat at Pat's Interference. It's not. It's Pat's Interpod. Um, this comes from Marco. He wants to know, with the recent hiring of Adrian Clem, are there any Oregon offensive linemen or players in general we should look out for in the upcoming draft? Oregon's offensive line allowed five Marcus Mariota. Yeah. <laughs> Marcus
0: Mariota. Draft him. Is he available? Oh, different. Okay, go ahead. Draft,
1: draft expert Mike Manansky coming yes. in with Marcus Mariota to watch for the 2023 NFL. Yes. Um, the airplane. My short answer is no, not exactly. I mean, there are Oregon players you're going to hear about. That was a very talented team. Like I was starting to say, they allowed five sacks last season, fewest in the FBS. Christian Gonzalez, a corner. Could be in the mix with uh, Devin Witherspoon and Joey Porter Jr. I would just say the intel on on Pac-12 players, including edge rushers, is going to be obviously very valuable. So I wouldn't hone in on Oregon so much as the Pac-12 is going to get uh, obviously better intel through Clem, which this also ties into the West Coast scout for the Patriots is typically their greenest in the scouting department. So it's not that they don't trust him. It's just that guy has an experience and any more intel you can add to that region, which isn't typically totally fertile for NFL players, is going to be valuable. So I think if there's value to be mine, maybe day two, day three, that's where you lean on Clem, but their draft plan doesn't
0: totally change, at least in my opinion, even with good talent there, because you got Oregon's offensive line coach. They need offensive line help. whether they draft in the first round or not? Hopefully, he can coach them up because Matt Patricia did not do that last year.
1: Yeah, it's a very deep offensive tackle class too. So sure, if they don't they take the day one. They or need day it. two. They like, and they take someone that Clem is familiar with. Um, we'll have more of those names. I'm also trying not to spoil for as long as they can the draft content. But the combine's coming up, and we're gonna we're gonna do. Well, it.
0: that's good because i have not I've not done the deep dive yet. See, you're on it. You have to start. Well, I I'm not in the position where I have to start looking at this stuff yet. So I am so in a, ill-equipped. Other than uh i I would like the patriots to maybe get the kid flowers from boston college that's pretty much that's my draft analysis as of today
1: excellent well then this question is for you oh good lawrence d lawrence spelled with a u like lawrence peroni uh if the patriots stay at 14 and witherspoon is still on the board might do they take him
0: uh yes definitely That's that's for you. Go. I, I know, weather- I know, right yeah, on the spot. I already professed my love for this kid. He like
1: I I don't I've watched two games and I'm I've I've had enough. And our friend of the pod, Danny Kelly from the ringer, uh, who we're gonna try to have back this year, nice. I wrote even more glowingly than I would have faced in those two games that I watched of his he's sticky in man to man, he hits like all hell. He can get a little grabby in coverage. Uh, sometimes those over-aggressive types, I think the Patriots just steer clear of figuring, you know, those that's those are harder habits to coach out. Um, but, you know, it's just talent's undeniable and he's a ton of fun to watch. So I would say personally, yes. Uh, Last one, Mace wants to know, do you see the coaching staff expanding further with a number of assistants for the position coaches? The position coaches are pretty much filled. There's still some shuffling to be done. Joe Judge, what is his new job? And this assumes that I mentioned Will Lawing, assistant from Alabama before that, the Texans and Penn State, fills in for Nick Cayley, who left to go coach the Rams. I could still see them adding some, uh, underlings that Bill O'Brien likes and knows and potentially to develop because we talk about development of players all the time. The development of coaches matters almost just as much. Do you think they add more? They typically have a small staff, but
0: maybe this builds out a little bit. See, I don't know if they're going to add more. I do think there's got to be some clarification and maybe you've already heard what they're going to do at special teams. We talked about Cam Acord earlier. They've had a two-year drop-off. They've got a guy in-house and in Joe Judge that did it, at, I think, at a high level when he was here before he went to New York. So to me, like, forget expanding it figure out who the special teams guys figure out what his role is going to be. I'm in favor of either the the, the question was expansion, some new voices, Andrew. this is not, again, this is not Bill Belichick's thing. He's not going to do this, but I would, I would love to hear they brought in some guys that aren't from the Belichick tree Mm -hmm. and got some new ideas influx of new blood instead of, well, guys that Bill knows and whether it's Clem, Sean Jefferson, all great names, terrific. At some point, you're just your view is too narrow. So uh, expand. Uh, how, how about just some some new voices? That's what I like to see. Whether it's a w- one or two guys on each side of the ball, guys who aren't directly tied to Bill because of football, or lacrosse, or something else, that have a different view of maybe the current more modern era of the NFL. That's what I like to see. Or maybe we need more lacrosse.
1: Let's get some middies in here. Let's get some long sticks. Let's start looking at corners, the slot corners or short sticks on office. Like let's, let's mix this the hell up. No, but I'm, I'm with you. I'm someone generally in favor of the diversity of ideas. I think the Patriots have suffered from that lately with the coaching staff. Like you said, where are the new yes. ideas yes. coming from? And they're not the only franchise to deal with this again. This is not picking on Belichick or the Patriots specifically. You have the same coach in the same room who thinks he knows better. It's adapt or die in the NFL. You need to yeah. evolve. To evolve, you need some new ideas. Bill O'Brien will bring some from Alabama. Uh, beyond that, maybe we do have some more brain power in New England. And if they, they do come in, it sounds like they will get paid because Adrian Clem, I believe, will be making well north of a million dollars based on his
0: salary at Oregon last year and the fact that reportedly he got a pay bump. So now the Patriots no. are paying for people. No, no. It'll be fun unless they do that really dumb thing you suggested and trade for Aaron Rodgers that I, that that's what we don't want to see, but I, it's just, this is a, it's not only is it fun. It is really important. Like I, I think that even the, in Belichick, we trust people. They're done with the mulligans for bill. So it's like bill figure it out. Third year quarterback back in the playoffs, back in contention. I feel like that's the expectation. I hope we get in the next couple of months here, Andrew, you know, you're in front of Bob craft and just like last year, he sort of lays down the gauntlet and says, we expect to be a playoff team again and just sort of reset where this thing is going over the next one or two years, unless they trade for Aaron Rodgers. And that's Hey, four
1: years without a playoff win. Um, it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's bad. It's bad. 25 and 26 last three years, Belichick wasted a season. Like Woo. some folks out there thought he skated on that. I thought the back, back page of, you know, that story saying he effed us and last line being the greatest coach of all time brought about a wasted season. Uh, was enough let alone the fact that it's implied that he hired all these people watch this happen yes. let it happen yes. perpetuated day to day you're absolutely right this all falls at his feet um and that's about it so thank you for taking some extra time we have oh, to no you back on track good job by us and uh you know we'll see what comes to the draft and free agency
0: but this was fun man i can't wait man i hope you're dead wrong about the super bowl but i'm sure we'll text and uh yukon's got a big one against marquette on tuesday night We'll be talking during the game, buddy. Thank you. You guys, you, you do a great job, buddy. Congratulations on this, the story you and uh, Karen had story of the offseason, and uh, glad to be back with you. Thanks, my guy. Go Huskies.
1: The Pats Interference Podcast is powered by Athletic Greens. Build a foundation for better health with AG1. The Pats Interference Podcast is powered by America's number one online sports sportsbook, Online.